Good morning. It's good to be with you. I'm going to ask we could start. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark's Gospel in chapter 5. I'm going to just read a couple of verses from Matthew's Gospel, though, to start. There was an occasion when the Lord was teaching in a house, a large room. Obviously, the room was crowded to the full. We get that from the context of the passage. People couldn't move in it. They were filled up. And in the group that he was speaking to, there was obviously quite uh, an assortment of, of different types of people with different motives for being there. Again, we get that from the context. There were those who were there because they had heard uh, of the miracles that this one Jesus had done, and they were hoping that perhaps they would see the Lord perform some miracle. They were there to see the show, so to speak. So to say, others were there because they were fascinated by the teaching of the Lord. They had heard him and uh, wanted to hear more. They were curious. They wanted to see what he was saying. Some were there perhaps because they were ill and they were hoping that he might be able to touch them and heal them. Some, some were there because they uh, were actually opposed back in the back corner, lurking in the shadows were were those who were there trying to catch Jesus in something he might say. They were enemies of the Lord, and they were there just so that they might try to catch him and trick him. They might have some reason to, to accuse him. But here up in the front, perhaps on the right side, there were some who were his disciples. These were the ones who were following the Lord. These were the a group that had committed themselves to leave their occupations and to travel with the Lord over a period of years, listening to his ministry, uh, listening to what he had to say, obeying his commands and serving him and taking in all that they could. These were his followers. These were his believers. In this group, there was this vast assemblage of people of all different thought patterns different attitudes toward the Lord. The house was crowded, it was full. And someone come and said to him in the crowd, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But he answered and said to him who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? I want you to notice this next phrase. It says that he stretched out his hand. Picture the scene. He stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Or whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, and my sister, and my mother. In the world today, we have a lot of people who have a lot of different attitudes toward the Lord. 
There are some who are fairly indifferent, some who are curious, some who enjoy hearing the stories, some who are opposed to anything the Lord says. But there are others who are followers of the Lord or disciples of the Lord. And I believe as I look out on the audience today here, that the great majority of those who are gathered here today are here because you are believers in Jesus Christ. You are followers of the Lord. And in this great world where many are opposed and where many revile the Lord, have no use for him, those who are his are the ones to whom he stretches out his hand this morning. He stretches out his hand to us as we gather here and he says, here is my brothers and my mother and my sister here. He stretches out his hand, his hand of love. And with his hand, he embraces those who are his own. And he calls them his family. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you're a disciple of the Lord, then you feel the impact of his hand as he stretches it out to you and embraces you as his family. Mark chapter 5. The hand of the Lord is a hand of love. As he draws in those who are his own. But his hand is seen in another way here in chapter 5. We read in chapter 5 the account of a man who is who is desperately in trouble. He has uh, a daughter who is gravely ill and uh, at the point of death. And in despair, he finds there is nothing more that he can do. There's nothing he can do for his daughter. She is, she is ill and she's getting worse. And the parents of this child, through their tears, realize that she is at the point of death. And they're despairing. The man's name is Jarius. He hears that Jesus of Nazareth is in the area, and he, he knows that this man, Jesus, has healed the sick. And then his despair Kind of a last resort, I suppose he he runs out to find the Lord. To see if Jesus would come to intervene. When he comes to the Lord in verse 23, verse 22, he saw the Lord. He says that he fell at his feet. prominent ruler of the synagogue falls at the feet of the Lord and he begged him earnestly. He pleaded with the Lord. His heart was breaking over his child at home, gravely ill. Please come and lay your hands on her, he says. Lay your hands on her, that she may be healed. 
and she will live. This man knew that there was something in the hands of the Lord that could bring relief in his situation. The only hope that he had was in the hands of the Lord. Lord agrees to go with this man to uh, to his home at his request and to see this daughter who is ill. But as they go along the way, the Lord is distracted by other things. And then as they're traveling, the news that this man did not want to hear comes. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? This was the news he didn't want to hear. Now his heart must have broken at that point. As he heard the news that his daughter was dead, it was too late. It was too late. Hope was lost. I imagine that he must have felt like melting into a little puddle there, feet of the Lord. As he thought about his situation, as he grieved over a daughter who he just could not save. As Jesus was there, he heard the word that was spoken, and he said to the ruler of the synagogue, he said this, Verse 36, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. He went with this man, Jairus, to his house. A great commotion was taking place as the mourners were there grieving over this child who had died and all the people were gathering around put them all outside. He took with him Peter, James, and John. And he took the mother and the father of the child. Verse 40. He entered where the child was laying. And then verse 41. Again, I want you to try to picture this scene. The Lord enters a room where the dead child is lying. Parents of the child are there. Peter, James, and John are with them. And what does the Lord do? He took the child by the hand. He reached out his hand and took the hand of the child in his own. And he said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Overcome, I'm sure. As they witnessed with their eyes the power of the Lord, the power of his hand, to impart life. They saw him as he reached out his hand and took the hand of their daughter and lifted her from the dead. 
and brought her to life. A hand of the Lord, a hand of love, a hand of power. On into chapter 6 in the first few verses, the Lord went to his own country. His disciples followed him, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. What did they say? Verse 2, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this that was given to him? They're, they're astonished that such mighty works are performed by his hand. The Lord, you see, was known for the power in his hand. The Lord was known as one who would reach out and touch the sick and they would be made well. He was known as one whose hand could give sight to the blind, could cause the mute to speak, the one who was known by his hand, who could touch someone and cause the lame to walk, the power of the Lord, and he was known by the power of his hand. He was the one who with his hand soothed the grief of those who were sorrowing, who, who gave comfort to the poor, to the aged, to the young. With his hand, he brought blessing and healing and comfort and hope. The hand of the Lord reached out and brought life to those who were dead. The power of the Lord's hand. They were amazed. But then, those in his own land, in his own town, in his own country, they say this, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended at him. This is very interesting. Here are people who observe that the Lord had power in his hand, and yet, and yet they they didn't want to acknowledge it. They didn't want to recognize it. To him, he was just another one of the guys. He was just another guy from the town of Nazareth. Nothing special in him. We know his brothers and sisters. He grew up here. He was playing soccer on the street with the kids. He's just another guy. He's just another man. They were offended at him. In the world today, there are those who see the power and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ as they look at his hand, as they see the works that he does. There are others who see Jesus as just another character, just another person, a figure in history. Some who might see him as fictitious. Some who might see him as someone who leads people in the wrong way. There are those who recognize the power of God's hand in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are those who despise it, who don't recognize it. To them, he was just another man. And I suppose that looking at the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone in that day would see just another hand, right? It was not distinguishable from any other. 
you know, the physical hand is a wonderful creation. God has given us all hands and each one is unique. We use fingerprints, don't we, to identify people as individuals distinct from one another. The hand is a wonderful device. But if if we were to put up a screen and 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 uh, you all were to put your hands under the screen I, and ask me to identify you by your hand, I'm sorry. One hand's like another. Like uh, I wouldn't be able to identify you by looking at your hand. And the Lord's hand was just like any other hand, physically speaking. But there were those who recognized the distinct nature of the hand of the Lord. The hands, Lord, from the Lord's hands from a physical standpoint were like any other hand. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 27. I want to look with you at a few scenes of the Lord's hand. We'll start here in Matthew chapter 27, the hand of the Lord. Verse 35, I just want to read three verse, three words from this verse. This is, of course, a majestic scene, the horrid scene of crucifixion of the Lord, the death of the Lord is trial, and so on. But in verse 35, we have just this little summary statement. They crucified him. They crucified him. There's a lot said in the gospel accounts about the events that took place around the Lord's death, but but these three words are all that's given to us in terms of description of how the Lord was actually hung upon that cross. Just this simple expression. They crucified him. We know what crucifixion is, I think. We all do. The Lord is hanging upon the cross. The primary wounds of crucifixion are wounds to the hands, to the feet, as the nails are pushed through the palms of the hands and to the soles of the feet hang someone upon a cross. And the Lord was hung upon a cross, and I want you to see him there. They crucified him. On the cross, the hands of the Lord are on display. Through those hands are coarse Roman nails. From those hands flow blood. The blood of Christ that brings us salvation. Look at his hands as he hangs upon the cross. You're going to see there the love of God in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the evidence of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look at the hands of the Lord as he hangs upon the cross. You see the love of Jesus Christ. The one who loved me and gave himself 
for me. Those hands, which moments earlier had been like anyone else's hands, really, physically speaking, are now different. His hands are distinctive. The hands of the Lord now display the wounds of the cross. The nails penetrate those hands. The love of God, the evidence of God's love is seen as you look at the hands of the Lord. But I'll tell you something else. We see in the hands of the Lord as he hangs there on that cross, the evidence of God's power as well. The power of the Lord is seen in his hands as he hangs on the cross. We might say, what, what are you saying, Keith? Isn't, isn't, isn't the cross really the sign of the power of Rome? Isn't that the, the might of, of Rome exercised in the execution of the Lord? Isn't it the, the power of these religious leaders who were successful in getting the Lord onto the cross? That's what they wanted. They wanted his death. Now, let me tell you that the power in the Lord's hands that we see in the cross is, is not the power of putting in the Lord on the cross. It's the power displayed in the Lord staying on the cross. This is where we see God's power. This one who could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him chose not to do so by exercising his power. The Lord displayed great power in not calling down fire to judgment on those who were around. We see the power of God in the cross. Paul writes about it in Romans, doesn't he? That the cross is to the Gentiles is foolishness, but to those who believe it is what it is, the power of God and salvation. The power of God displayed as he hangs upon the cross in conquering death, in defeating sin. In defeating Satan, the power of God is on display in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ as he brings into God's family men and women from across the world and over the centuries. Sins are forgiven by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he hangs upon the cross and as the blood flows from those hands. In the hands of the Lord, we see the love of God. In the hands of the Lord, we see the power of God. And as we look at those hands, as the Lord hangs upon the cross, we see the evidence. This is the evidence of God's love and of God's power. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 20. Another little sight of the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 20. Here we have a scene that is after the death of the Lord. The disciples are gathered together. Still trying to process, still trying to understand all that has gone on. They're perplexed. They're they're wondering what, what's to happen next, what's going on. And then they hear reports that someone has seen the Lord alive. 
these disciples of the Lord had, had seen the crucifixion. They, they knew that the Lord had died on the cross. And they hear reports that he has been raised. And the Lord appears to him, to them. In the upper room, as they're gathered with the doors shut, and they're gathered, it says, in fear. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of what might happen to them. They had killed the Lord. They might come after them next. And so they're gathered there in fear, and the Lord comes to them, and he says this, peace to you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side. Thomas, of course, was not with them. Famously referred to as Doubting Thomas, his name. Thomas wasn't there. And so the disciples told Thomas when they saw him, we, we saw the Lord. The Lord appeared to us. The Lord came among us. Thomas says, no, can't be. I don't believe it. Don't, I can't believe it. Can't be true. Verse 24. Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless, unless I see, unless I see his hands in his hands, the print of the nails, unless I see in his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas was struggling with doubt. He was struggling with his faith. He was confused by all that had gone on. He didn't know where things were going in his life. It was a time of confusion and turmoil for all of these disciples, but specifically here for Thomas. Like Thomas, we all have times in our lives when we struggle. There are times in our lives when we are wondering what is going on? Where is this leading? What am I to be doing? Times of doubt, times of crisis of faith. Times when we might say like Thomas, I want to see it myself. Show me the nail prints in his hand. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, can you picture this scene? Picture it in your mind. The Lord there present, the 12 disciples there. Thomas is with them. The Lord is there in that room. And he addresses Thomas specifically. And it says this, the Lord speaking, reach your finger here. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. That moment for Thomas, 
the hands of the Lord were the assurance that he needed. The assurance of God's love. As the doubts racked his mind, as the confusion and instability surrounded him like a whirlwind, the Lord reached out his hand and said, look at my hand. Look at my hand. In my hand, you see the sign of the assurance of my love and of my power. Look at my hands. We all do well to look at the hands of the Lord in times of doubt in our lives, in times when we are going through difficulty and under times when our mind is racing and we are finding ourselves in periods of confusion. Look at the hands of the Lord and be reassured of his love and of his power. The hands of the Lord, the evidence of God's love and the assurance of God's love. I want you to go back to Luke chapter 24 with me. Luke chapter 24 for another scene of the hand of the Lord. Luke 24. Disciples walking upon the road. They're leaving Jerusalem. They're heading to Emmaus, to their home. Disciples who are really overcome with, with sorrow. It says, as they walked along, they were sad. They had been anticipating that Jesus would deliver the nation, that he would be the Messiah that's to come. And now he has been put on a cross. And their heart is filled with grief and sorrow sadness. Again, they're also uncertain. They're unsure what's to become of them. Confused, disappointed. The Lord appears to them and walks with them. The account is given through the chapter of how the Lord appeared to these disciples as they walked on the road, and they did not recognize the Lord, even though it was walking with them. I've often been puzzled by this. How is it that they could not recognize him? They saw him. He walked with them for hours along the road. He talked with them. They didn't recognize his voice. They didn't recognize him by sight. They were disciples of the Lord, but they did not know him as he walked with them. As they came near the town, they reached their destination, their home. They were to go inside, and he was the Lord was going to carry on. They invite him in. Come in and have a meal with us. It's getting late. So he agreed to do so. Verse 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread. I want you again to picture this scene in your mind. They sat down to a meal. And it isn't the host and hostess that take bread and break it, but it is the Lord. He, he took bread, picture it, on the table. He took bread and broke it with his hands. And he gave it to them. Verse 31 says, then, then... 
then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Of course, I'm not the first one who is going to suggest that they knew him, they recognized him. I suspect because they saw his hands as he reached out and broke bread and gave it to them. They saw his hands. I am sure that they saw the nail prints in those hands. They recognized him. He was revealed to them as his hands were placed before them. They ran back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what had happened. Verse 30, 35, they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I love that expression. He was known to them in the breaking of bread. His hands were revealed to them as he broke bread and they came to understand who he was. Let me ask you, how often is Christ revealed to us as we break bread together? How often do we come to see him for who he is when we meet together, perhaps around the ends? When we come together to open his word, he reveals himself to us and we see his hands and we recognize who he is. How often is Christ revealed to us by the work of his hands in our lives, by the things that he does, by the distinctive things that he only could do that impact our lives. And we see his hand in our life and we recognize in that work the nail prints of his hand. The scene of the Lord on the cross with his hands pierced there is the evidence of God's love for us. And if we look at the Lord's hands as he appears to Thomas and see the assurance of God's love and God's power to us, then when we think about this scene where the Lord met with these disciples, we see the revelation of God's love, the revelation of God's power in the hands of the Lord. We come to see God's power and God's love in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at one other, well, two other. Let's start in Revelation chapter 5, another one. Another scene of the hands of the Lord on display. Revelation chapter 5. Here's a passage that doesn't actually mention the hand of the Lord, but I'm going to suggest that we see the Lord's hand here. The Apostle John, now an aged man, writes the book of Revelation. God gives him a vision of glory, a vision of the Lord in, in the throne room of heaven. This well-known passage, Revelation chapter 5, the Lord is sitting upon a throne, God Almighty. And John sees this great scene. 
and there is a scroll, and no one is found who is worthy to open the scroll. In verse 4, John says that he wept. As he watches this, John wept. Because no one is found who is worthy to open this scroll. One of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. I want you to pay in particular attention to verse 6. I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. A lamb as though it had been slain. Perhaps there are some here today who, this is a new passage, haven't read this before, but I, I suspect that most of you, many of you, know this passage well. You've read it many times. I've read it many times. I've heard it read many times. What, what goes through your mind when you picture this scene of a lamb that has been slain? What do you picture? A lamb that has been slain. I can tell you that for years when I read this passage, the image that was in my mind was the image of a, a lamb on, a, on an altar, like an Old Testament sacrifice laid out there. The fire about to be lit, a lamb that has been killed. And the body is about to be burned on an altar as a sacrifice. That's kind of the image that I've had. I think I've had it since childhood. And as a young child, I imagine I even pictured it with, you know, they sometimes put the little X on their eyes of the dead animal. It just... A lamb that has been slain. Read it again. That's not what this is saying. That's not the image that's being depicted here. I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. This was not a lamb on an altar. This is a lamb standing. It is a lamb that has been slain. What, what was it about this lamb that caused it to appear to have been a lamb that has been slain? I don't know. The book of John is, the book of Revelation written by John is full of very rich typology, rich imagery. It's a lot that we struggle to understand, a lot of symbols and types that are given in it. I, I've wondered more recently exactly what did John see in this image? What what was it that he did he did he actually see in this vision the animal a lamb standing? It says the lamb went up and took the scroll from him who sat on the throne. Was it the animal a lamb that he saw? I don't know. I don't know what it was that he saw, but. But I wonder if he is describing things the way that John the Baptist did. When he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked on the earth and pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And people looked and saw not, not a lamb, the animal, but they saw the person, Jesus Christ. I don't know. I've wondered recently whether that's really what was seen here was Jesus Christ as a man standing there, described as the Lamb of God because he was the Lamb of God. Don't know, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, but this I know, that it was a lamb that had been slain 
there was evidence of his death in the lamb that was seen. Evidence like, for example, perhaps the print of nails in his hands. The sign of the crucifixion of the Lord. I think we can see in this picture here, the hands of the Lord. The nail prints of the hands, the, the lamb that has been slain. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand and sat on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Here we have the scene of a great celebration of the Lamb, a commemoration of all that he has done. Look at his hand. Look at the nail print of his hand as he stands in heaven for the throne. As he takes the scroll in his hand, as the 24 elders fall down with the four living creatures and the myriads of angels and every creature under heaven and earth proclaim worthiness of the lamb who was slain. Look at his hand and you will see in his hand a commemoration of the love of God, a commemoration of the power of God in the hand of Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain. One more scene, if we could. Go back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We can see in the hand of the Lord as he hangs on the cross the evidence of the love and the power of God. As he appears to doubting Thomas, we see the assurance of the love and the power of God in the hand of the Lord. With the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we see in the hand of the Lord the revelation of the love and the power of the Lord. In the book of Revelation, <clears throat> we watched the, theme, the scene in heaven, and in the hand of the Lord, we see the commemoration of God's love and God's power in the hand of the Lord. Here in Luke chapter 24, the hand of the Lord appears again. In verse 50, Luke writes, he led them out as far as Bethany. What did he do? Picture the scene. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands. He lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Look at the Lord just before his ascension, as he gathers the disciples together there on the Mount of Olives, just outside of Bethany. And he lifts his hands, and the disciples look at him. And what do they see? They see in the hands of the Lord the marks of the cross, and he blesses them. 
he blesses them. Now it came to pass, well, he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. The last thing we see here in Luke's gospel is the Lord ascending to heaven with his hands outstretched as he blesses his people, his disciples, those that he loves. What did he say in that blessing? Luke doesn't record it here in the 24th chapter of his gospel, but he does record it in his next chapter, at least some of it, which is, of course, the book of Acts. In the first chapter of the book of Acts, we read this. This is one of the things that the Lord said, at least some of what he said as he blessed them. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, well, they watched. Well, they watched with his hands outstretched, his hands stretched out as they watched. He was ascended into heaven as he was blessing them with these words. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And well, they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Can you picture the scene? I don't know if the sun was shining on him. I don't know. Maybe the sun was behind him, silhouetting him. I don't know. Maybe the rays of the sun were coming through. Maybe they could see clearly the print of the nails in his hands as his arms were stretched out. And he blesses them. And he instructs them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here at the ascension of the Lord, I'd suggest to you that what we see is the commissioning of God's love and the commissioning of God's power, the commissioning of the disciples of the Lord to spread the gospel message to all the world. Look at the hands of the Lord as he stands and blesses the disciples and gives them this instruction. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The disciples looked on. These scenes have shown us the evidence of God's love and power, the assurance of God's love and power, the revelation of God's love and power, the commemoration of God's love and power. And here, commissioning, commissioning of God's love and God's power to his disciples. The disciples watched. The disciples looked on him. Jarius, in his despair, his daughter's death, heard these words from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And then he watched as the Lord reached out his hand to touch his family, to touch his life with power and with love. 
as we go about our lives day by day. Look to the hands of the Lord for his blessing in your life. Father, we thank you for the power of your word and for its rich instruction to us. We pray that you would bless us as we meditate on it, as we think about it. We thank you for our Savior, for the power of his hand, and for your love expressed to us through him. In Jesus' name, amen.